Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his genes from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. What's up, Big V's fans? Week 13 of the Big East Barroom is live. Happy February 6th to all those who celebrate. Nobody celebrates February 6th. How are you? This It's the week before Valentine's Day. That is a celebration. Uh, An I actual guess, one. Uh, origin of Valentine's Day, isn't it something bloody? Correct? R- Roman, perhaps? Valentine's something? Um... I'm not 100%, but um, yeah, so it's February 6th. We just got done with another week of Big East basketball. I don't know, five ranked teams. Should we talk about that to start? That's great. Can we talk about four weeks until we're at the Garden? Four weeks until we're at the Garden. We've decided we're going Thursday. Yes, we're going to make it on Thursday. For both game, for both sets of games. Yeah. Um, all four. Um, do you, I put on here AP poll update. Did you see anything that kind of surprised you about the AP poll? Made you happy about the AP poll? No. I, tough for Providence because I believe they only played one game this week and they lost it at Xavier uh, and then they dropped a few spots. It's tough, but you're always going to drop a couple spots when you lose. So I was glad that they kept them in the AP poll. I was glad Creighton got into the AP poll. So I was surprised Creighton, Creighton has the most losses of a team in the AP poll. Um, they have seven. I know that, listen, all losses aren't created equal. I'm not trying to say that, but it was interesting, you know. Um, they have eight losses. Did I say seven? They have eight losses. Um, Rutgers has seven and they're behind them. So I don't know. Good to see a top 10 team Marquette in the top 10 of the big East. They deserve well. it. They deserve it. Top 10. All right. Um, I have some housekeeping that I thought, which we rarely do on here, a little shameless plug for us. Um, one of the things that's great about what we've, you know, built over here is, through you guys, we've been able to get players and we've been able to get other people to come on our podcast. One of the things we really need, you know, we get a lot of likes and stuff, rating and reviewing and interacting with our podcast. It just lends more credence to us, you know, and more credibility. And then we're able to get more players and player interviews because of it, because of you guys. And you guys are the ones who push it. So I rarely ask, but if you can rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, um, yeah, what's the uh, YouTube um, saying? Like and subscribe. Like, subscribe, rate, review, subscribe. Whatever you got to do. Listen, I hate doing it. And I don't want to be the person who's sitting here and asking you to, you know, please rate our podcast five stars. But at the same time, it really does help. And, you know, we've been able to put out so much great content because of you guys and because of some of the doors that's open for us. Yeah, if you want to hear your favorite player on here. That's all been made possible by people interacting with our podcast. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, literally, you guys have made this possible. Like, Tyler Kolick and Colby Jones would not have known who we are if you guys didn't interact with us the way you do. So maybe you send it to somebody else, send it to a friend. I don't know. We're just trying to, you know, continue it because we're not, you know, we're on a roll right now. And we that's all possible because you guys are so amazing. Love you guys. All right. So, Ryan, that was our shameless plug for... First shameless plug first. on the t- pod. We've shamelessly plugged ourselves on Twitter. Sure. But first shameless, we lost our shameless plug virginity today. 
<laughs> is that a uh, is that a phrase? All right. So you, we have an order we picked after last week of trying to pick mascots to uh, play basketball. Um, we decided to go in a different order today, right? We're gonna do um, a little more straightforward order. We're gonna do worst uh, defenses on Ken Palm to best defenses. So. So are you going to – I think I should guess them because you have them up, Okay. Right? Yeah, go ahead. Um, unfortunately, I think I'm 100% sure on what the worst defense is. And I'm going to go with the Georgetown Hoyas are the worst defense. That is correct. Big East basketball. So I will put two and a half on the clock. Let's talk some Georgetown Hoyas. Georgetown plays two games this week. Georgetown loses two games, but not the way they normally lose two games. They lose to Creighton by 10, and they lose to UConn by 6. Uh, I guess one of the stories that we can talk about is Primo Spears kind of disappeared for both these games. Um, he only shot once in the um, – what's it called game? The, once in the UConn game after shooting 18 times in the Creighton game and only making five. So weird to have a week where Primo Spears isn't their leading scorer. Yeah, in full transparency, I didn't see the game against Creighton. I did see the, the whole game against UConn. Um, and a lot of that had to do with Andre Jackson being on Primo Spears. Andre Jackson being, you know, recognized as one of the best defenders in the country, according to Naismith. The Naismith watch or whatever. Yeah, I know yeah. What you're uh, so they gave they gave him the Primo Spears assignment because they know Primo Spears is the best player on the team. Yeah, uh, I mean, I want to talk Brandon Murray too. Brandon Murray was really, really good against UConn um, in a game we watched a little more closely. Um, did you think it was weird that? Ewing didn't take a clearly hobbled Primo Spears out at the end of that Georgetown game when they had a real chance to win. We talked about last week that the best thing Patrick Ewing has done as a coach is to not take Primo Spears out. So I understand where he's coming from, but it obviously did turn out very well for them. Yeah, Curtis Wahab played really well in both matchups. He gets uh, 24 points in this. Um, He looked really good against Sonogo at certain points. He's, He's a legit big man in the Big East, and he's been about on the block a few times in the Big Ten and the Big East the first time around. Did he have 24 points in the game against UConn? No, he had 10 points. I'm sorry, 24 points for the week. 10 points and 20, or 14 points. But he's hit some really tough baskets against Sonogo. Some back-to-the-basket, hook shots. His turnaround um, push shot um, is one of the better you know hooks in the game. Him, Fremantle, right up there. Um, it's a little unorthodox, but it goes in a lot of the time. Tremendous talent. Uh, he's a tremendous talent. The entire Georgetown team is full of tremendous talents. Uh, Brandon Murray, as he touched on, was just excellent. Um, and they had a really good week, but they take so many tough shots. Yeah, they. T- I mean, and what was weird this week is it's their defense was better. And then their offense, like this is a week where you, if you hold a team like Creighton to 63 and UConn to 68, you're hoping to get two wins. I know you're not hoping to beat UConn or Creighton, but at the same time, you took two losses. You're running out of moral victories. Um, yeah, tough season for the Georgetown Hoyas. Love them. Hope to see them in better shape next year. All right. Right. I am going to continue to guess this way for the first two and go bottom to top of the standings. And I'm going to say that I think DePaul has the second worst defense on Ken Palm. And that is correct. So right, put two and a half on the clock because DePaul only played once this week. Uh, no, DePaul played twice this week. I'm sorry. We watched the first one together. Yes, I watched 80 minutes of DePaul basketball. And are you better for it? I am, of course, better for it because I love the DePaul Blue Demons. I love Tony Stubblefield, and I specifically love Deshaun Nelson, who is one of the most fun players to watch in the Big East. He had a couple of huge highlights 
in their game against Seton Hall. Um, dunking the ball, he hit a couple mid-range shots. Seton Hall game, one of the weirder games of the year. Like, it was 15-2 to DePaul. Seton Hall comes back and is blowing the doors off DePaul. And then DePaul comes back in the last two minutes and makes it a one-possession game at one point. Yeah. I mean, one of the weirder, just like back and forth, but back, like, I don't know. I always thought, I thought the game was out of control, and then the game was out of control, and then the game was like all of a sudden back to a five-point game. Yeah. Seton Hall's going to play a lot of ugly games. That's kind of the identity they're forming. Um, DePaul came off to a really good start, and then they kind of let it get away, and then Moshe Gibson almost brought him back at the end. You had about seven points in the last couple yeah. minutes. He, I mean, he was excellent um, in that Seton Hall game. Um, the UConn game, Javon Johnson came out and scored the first 12 points for DePaul, I believe. That's right. Um, you know, they again, they're another team that has the pieces, but I really do think they're going to figure it out. Not this year, obviously, um, but they're going to figure it out, I think, a lot quicker than, you know, other teams because I think they have a competent head coach and they have an AD who seems to be interested in bettering the program. And what do you think the issue is? How did they end up losing these games? Uh, their defense. They let up 90 points to UConn, who's been struggling. Um, they only let up 69 to Seton Hall, but when you remember that Seton Hall scored two points through the first eight minutes of the game, well, now you've let up 67 points in 20 or 32 minutes. Like that's like you, you can't do that. Um, you know, Seton Hall pretty much played at a 90 point pace for the rest of the game. Yeah, just not enough resistance on defense. And Seton Hall is not an excellent offensive team, and they were just getting their way, like you mentioned, in the last 30 minutes. They they struggled at the beginning, but Towards the end of the game, they're just getting their way, and there's just like the defense just it, it doesn't um, stop offenses from getting into their rhythm, doing what they want to do, getting into their set plays. So, who for DePaul, not to get too big, big picture, but who's coming back next year? Um, we know that uh, what's his face, Deshaun Nelson can come back, Kayla Murphy, Zion Cruz. Should, I mean, Gibson's done, yeah, Gibson's um, in his sixth year. I think Johnson is done. See, th- this is the problem. I'm worried about. I'm worried about those players. Like they're kind of just like on their last gasp, and they're still not able to get out of the hump. No, I've seen that complaint on DePaul. Um, some people, some DePaul fans, making that complaint. So, all right, right. Third worst defense in the Big East, according to Ken Palm. Again, these are not our rankings. Um, the Villanova Wildcats. That is correct. And I only knew that because we had briefly talked, and you said something about Villanova being low. So you cheated. It's a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Okay. Like a good math test. Cheating's not wrong. All right. We got two and a half on the clock. Villanova Wildcats lost two close games. Uh, they lost at Marquette, and then they went and lost at Creighton. Um, what did you see? Uh, listen, and I've been I've been pounding the drum on this. Villanova shouldn't – if they don't win another game this year, their whole focus has to be towards the Big East Tournament and what that's going to look like. Yes, it sucks to keep saying they have moral victory after moral victory because there are no moral victories. Listen, we're in the heart of Big East season. But every minute that Justin Moore plays right now gets you closer to an opportunity to compete for a Big East championship. And that's what the focus is. Because I think even if you won every single game after Justin Moore came back, I don't know if the resume was good enough to get in the tournament. Yeah, to be fair, they played three of the four top teams after Justin Moore came back. They go 0-3, and and that's tough. And there's no moral victories. But they have a little bit easier time coming up. They have Seton Hall at home. And they have – are they going to DePaul or do they have DePaul at home? Um, They are – they have DePaul at – um, Villanova because they beat DePaul. Okay, the so they're hosting DePaul. They lost to DePaul on the road. I'm sorry. 
they're hosting the, yes you're right they're hosting the Paul and then they're hosting Seton Hall so they got a, a better week coming up um here to talk about some specifics I think that the defense looks a lot better with Justin Moore out there a lot more connected yeah uh confidence in the players looks a lot different they're much more in this Villanova um style of basketball listen at the end of the day they're struggling with the first year head coach to execute down the stretch which is to be expected listen we're big UConn fans. UConn's still struggling with Dan Hurley to execute down the stretch. This is stuff that takes years and years to establish when you are a, a head coach. Yeah, I think, you know, Justin Moore is that guy, but unfortunately he hasn't played basketball in like 10 months. So he'll get back to that point. But right now it's Absolutely. a tough ask. What did you think about the final play against Creighton? I'm a little confused running Eric Dixon for the three there. Um, I know he's, you know, been one the guy there for a little bit this year, but in my opinion, you have three better three-point shooters on the floor. I'm on more Daniels and Whitmore. Um, I don't know. I would have liked to see something else. But at the end of the day, you live and die with your best player. And Eric Dixon was balling in that game. I know he's 7 of 18. But some of the post moves he was giving people, like I know it, there was a little bit of talk about a chicken wing. <laughs> I saw a little Dixon with an elbow at his points. But, um, yeah. And he had just hit a three right before that, don't forget. So, yeah, not my favorite play I've ever seen, but I understand. They ran in against the same play against Michigan State at, earlier in the year, and Eric also um, missed that, unfortunately. So, I don't know. I, let, again, get ready, get healthy and get ready for the Big East Tournament, in my opinion. All right, Rye. Fourth worst defense. I'm shocked that this wasn't the next one. Is it St. John's? No, sir. It is your Xavier Musketeers. Xavier on Kempom has a worse defense than St. John's. Xavier fans, I'm just reading the numbers. This is not my personal opinion. So you're sitting in the basement with that Ken Pomeroy guy, and you're coming up with the numbers, huh? Now, Providence fans, you know where to find them. All right, let's put two and a half on the clock. Xavier played two games this week. I would venture to say they played the game of the year against Providence, 85-83 win, and then they absolutely um, – Undress St. John's and won by 22. Yeah, that was ugly. Um, but my story for the week is Jerome Hunter. It is Mr. Jerome Hunter who was just excellent in that game against Providence. Providence at home. He slotted in for the injured Zach Fremantle. He had the Bryce Hopkins assignment. Bryce Hopkins, a potential player of the year. And Jerome Hunter was excellent. Yeah, Jerome Hunter was really, really good uh, defensively. And then he had like seven offensive rebounds. He was everywhere that you And I can't be happier for the young man um, who's just playing the best basketball of his career right now. I think you took the words out of my mouth. Colby Jones was fantastic this whole entire week, which um, are we starting to talk about like how friends of the pod become Colick one biggest player of the week after. And Colby Jones was definitely in consideration for this week. Let's be clear. They were already excellent basketball players. So us bringing them on the podcast has really started to enhance their stock. Is that what you're telling me? But I will say when Jerome Hunter was on the bench, Colby Jones got the Bryce Hopkins um, assignment. And was fantastic. And was also fantastic. And Colby Jones was fantastic in the um, St. John's game where he went 7 of 8 shooting. I mean, listen, Providence is a really good team. And to play your first game without Zach Fremantle, you know, he's in the walking boot. It looks like he's going to miss a month. And to come out there and the one position that Fremantle guards and makes a huge difference on to kind of shut down Hopkins. I mean, it was a fantastically played game. Jet Nunji was incredible from three at certain points. Um, 
Had like 14 rebounds. Yeah, and you won a game in which Suli Boom struggled. You know, he has 20 points, but one of nine from three. You know when Suli Boom did not struggle? Suli Boom did not struggle when it mattered most. He had yes. five of the nine uh, Xavier points in overtime, including the only two made buckets. They have five guys that can go on runs by themselves at certain points. And that's just not something you see in college basketball. All five of their guys, um, when Fremantle's healthy, can score at 20 points on a given night. And, yeah. I, like, and that's just not something you see. And they're so selfless that it, it, there's no pride, and they all seem to be happy if it's not their night to, to you know, find they, the other guy. And they do move the ball. Um, They move the ball well. Um, Xavier also is into their Butler part of the schedule, so they're going to play Butler, Marquette, and DeBall. Um. They're, they're going to be looking to beat Marquette on the road and kind of say that we are the number one team in the Big East. I know we're ranking defenses right now this week. I just want to point out Xavier's defense was much improved this week compared to where it had been earlier. Absolutely. Um, so that's a really positive development for them. All right, Ryan, we're going to go next. My next guess, I'm going to go with the Johnnies again as the next worst. That would be correct. Team. Um, uh, what am I called? The next worst um, defense. Um, St. John's played two games this week and lost two games this week. They lost to Seton Hall, 84-72, and they lost to Xavier, 96-71. I mean, things that jump out to me is you allowed 84 points to Seton Hall. Do you want to talk about that? Like, Yeah, so um, defense, and they actually don't rank that poorly of a defense, but they're just like – Xavier's a really good offense, and that's a tough look for them. But they just there was no um, resistance to any of the things Xavier was trying to do on offense. Def- uh, and then on the other side, St. John's offense, they were doubling uh, Joel Soriano, pretty much selling out to stop him, and they had nothing. Yeah. You know, the Johnnies had no game plan. They had no backup plan. Um, AJ Store had some really good minutes in this game. He's going to be one of the sophomores to watch next year if he returns. I really enjoyed um... – I was a little hard on him last year. Adaiwusu um, kind of seems a lot more in control of everything that he's doing out there this year. Um, I know that, you know, maybe the stats don't back up exactly what I'm saying. He's scoring less points per game on pretty much the same exact shooting splits. I don't know. I've really noticed that I thought, you know, he's kind of looked more – it seems like he's really matured as a basketball player this year. I think he had a good week. I, that's how I would phrase it. Uh, um, and let's just take a moment. Prayers for David Jones, who did not play in yes. that Xavier game. Um, his father passed away back in the Dominican Republic, so he headed down there. Yeah, um, absolutely. Take care of yourself, young man. Come back better than ever and lead the Johnnies to a Big East tournament win. I mean, that's at this point, that's what we're looking at. The Johnnies, I mean, we're talking about their, you know, they, let's talk about they're 14 and 10. So they're going to beat. They're going to play Butler. They're going to play Providence. They're going, to, they're going to lose to Providence, Creighton, in my opinion, UConn, and Marquette. That's five more losses. They got to beat Georgetown, DePaul, and Butler. To, they have to beat two of those three. They're not playing much better than DePaul or Georgetown right now. Yeah, they beat them. They beat all three the first time. Yeah. Right? Can, and but right them. now, St. John's fans are just done with Mike Anderson. At least that's what I'm receiving when I talk to St. John's fans. That they, you, they could not be more done with Mike Anderson. Well, I, I, is it a two-horse race for Patina right now? Is it between Georgetown and um, St. John's for and, Anderson? And I'll pass along some whispers that Mike Anderson's lost the clubhouse. Ooh. Yeah. Just what I'm I don't even have those whispers. Um, One more whisper that I got. People, and they're not 100% sure that any of it is return billy donovan st john's he's listen he's the bulls head coach right now why would you leave chicago bulls head coach i understand basketball for big east basketball 
People think that there is a draw to the New York City market that Billy Donovan is interested in. I'm just telling you the whispers I've heard. I'm not turning down Big East basketball. Well, if I'm in the NBA, I'm turning it down for great or for um, St. John's. All right, Brad. The next worst defense. I'm gonna go with Marquette. That's incorrect. What is it? Who is it? Your next worst defense Butler? is the Butler Bulldogs. You know, I thought because Butler plays games in the 50s and 60s that they might be on the skate. So Butler played two games this week. Butler lost two games. No, Butler played one game this week. They lost to Marquette, 60 to 52. Right. Is this game more about um oh I messed up our timer, by the way. Is this game more about Butler or is this game more about Marquette who kind of let them stay around in the game? I think Butler had some really bad moments um here in this game, but then they kind of made it a game down the stretch. She was Lukosius. Seamus Lukosius. He's just excellent. I love watching him play Plays basketball. at his own pace the entire game. A lot of Luka Doncic in his game where he never sped up. Very European-style basketball, yeah. which makes sense because he's from Lithuania. Jaden Taylor was kept them afloat at the beginning of this game? Yeah. Jaden Taylor. I mean, it's Jaden Taylor and Seamus Lukosius who are the only two players that are really showing up at this point. I mean, for the Butler Bulldogs. Do you want to have a conversation of what happened to Manny Bates? Did we overreact to him at the beginning of the year? Was is is his hurt? Is he still hurt? Like, what's going on to Manny Bates? I don't know. Manny Bates had a fantastic non-conference, and uh, unfortunately, his he just has not had that good of a conference season. Um, but there's still time to turn it around, so maybe he'll prove us wrong. Yeah, I mean, when you hold Marquette, who's the best offense in college basketball, to 60 points at home for Marquette. That we're starting to talk about, like, yeah, that's the way Thad Mata probably wants his team to look. At the end of the day, though, just like with everyone else, they're not looking for moral victories anymore. They're losing games. Um, you know, listen, it was, was it closer than the last few weeks? Yeah, absolutely. The, the last few weeks they had played, I think, five games and lost by a total of a hundred points. I mean, but is it where they want to be? They want to be. They wanted to be at the top half of the Big East, or at least the middle half of the Big East this yeah. year. And I thought and, that. I thought they would be in Seton Hall's position where they're on the bubble and potentially playing in. Um, That's where I thought they would be after the non-con. Yeah. Uh, But Shumis Lukosius and Jaden Taylor are two excellent pieces to build off of. They're only sophomores, so they've got two more years of eligibility. Um, So, you know, and Thad Matter is a real deal. We've seen that. Yeah. Do you you worry that – listen, Butler fans come in and correct me. Do you worry that Thad Mata took this job? As kind of a retirement job, like it's like that job that you're not passionate about anymore. No, he, he was from Butler. It's I know he went to, I know that's where he went to Butler originally, but I don't know an older coach going to Butler from you know from retirement. It worries. It has Urban Meyer going to the Jaguars for me, yeah. where he went to the Jaguars because it was that that step, and he was never invested in it. I don't have any inside information. No, neither do I. I'm I'm curious. But I'm. In the halftime piece they do on this from Thad Matta, he talks about he wants to build a culture, something that can last. Well, he's got an opportunity uh, in the Big East right now because there's a lot of eyes on Butler every night because of whoever they're playing right now. Rye, I'm, I'm going to try to do it again. I'm going to say, I, and I hate just shitting on Marquette because I love Marquette, but is Marquette the next defense? No, they are not. <laughs> Damn it, I'm just shitting on Marquette. Is it Providence? Yes, they are. Okay. What uh, ranking are we at right now? By the way, remember, we got to save Creighton for last. So even if Creighton's next, you can tell me they are. But this is the seventh. So this would be the fourth best. Fifth best? There's 11 teams. Somebody do some math for us. Anyhow, right. Providence Fires defense is not bad. They just come next in the ranking. 
Providence played one game this week. Providence played two games this week. Beat Villanova. Lost to Xavier. They beat Villanova last week on That's Sunday. Right. Oh, is that Sunday? Yeah. Do we record before that? Uh, whatever. Played one game this week and lost to Xavier. They are in a nice part of their schedule. They're going to play Georgetown and St. John's over the next two games. Um, it seems like when Providence has really needed a... T- Listen to this. There are two losses in conference before this, Creighton and Marquette. Then they went and played DePaul and Butler next. Look, people are kind of sleeping on Providence. Providence has zero bad losses. Agreed. Providence has not. St. Lost. Louis is the worst losses here. And St. Louis ended up being a decent, like, they played their oh, way out. Yeah, St. Louis isn't a bad loss. It's just their worst loss. Well, it was questionable at some points. But yeah. Providence hasn't lost at home. Providence just lost to the other three top four teams away, yeah. which is okay as long as they defend home court. And when those teams come play, they're absolutely they're in good shape. So I think people are sleeping on Providence a little bit. The, yeah, I mean, with Jared Bynum playing the way he is, and I know he didn't play um, fantastic in the Xavier game. I know he hit the bank three though uh, to send it to overtime. But we're talking about like a, another team that legitimately has like five or six people who can give you twenty points. Um, can we talk about Noah Lock? I was told Noah Lock can't shoot outside the amp. Noah Locke can shoot wherever the heck he is. God, that kid is. The, the ball, I mean, he kind of shoots a line drive, and the ball's going right over, and, you know, it's, you know, falling in. But I think I've said this before, but he never squares his shoulder. No. He squares his shoulder in midair, and that's exactly what they tell you not to do um, in terms of form when you're shooting, and he makes it work. What did Six he of seven from three. I mean, and then he hit a couple inside the arc too. Uh, yeah, yeah, two and he went two of seven inside the arc. Okay. Um, Bryce Hopkins, well, I don't know, I want to talk. Um, positively about Bryce played every minute of the game and even though he wasn't scoring he comes up with 10 points 13 rebounds and five assists there are going to be nights where it's not your whistle there's going to be nights where you're not your shot isn't falling how you react is what makes you a superstar Bryce Hopkins is an absolute superstar played hard the whole game got a couple buckets towards the end no turnovers after getting shut out um I love this province team. I love Ed Cooley, and we haven't talked about Ed Croswell yet because Ed Croswell is one of the best players in the conference. Yeah, no, he's, I mean, a big man who's not getting the respect that he deserves. Undersized, but, I mean, all heart. Yeah, all heart. I, I wrote in my notes I have Ed Croswell is Ed Cooley Jr., question mark. That would be. I would agree with that. All right. Okay, Ryan, my next pick would be, we're looking at the fourth best defense in the conference. Or third best. Fourth, I'll say UConn. It is your Marquette Golden Eagles. So Marquette has a top, the best offense in the conference and a top four offense in the conference? Yes, they do. That That's is... how you end up as a top ten team in the conference. Number ten, let's in go. Country, Marquette, represent me. War Eagles. Nope, that's not right. Golden Eagles. All right. Marquette played one game this week, and they beat Butler. Um, 60-52. They played two games this week, and they beat Villanova as well, 73-64. Really need to find a different way to do this because I'm looking, and they don't have dates next to it. Right? are we just going to – is this going to be just a love fest for Marquette for the next, like, few minutes? I'm not sure I have a negative thing to say about them. Thank you for asking. Um, I, I have two things I want to talk about. One on offense. I have two things. One on offense and one on defense. One for the name. Um, on offense – I don't know if there's another team in the country who's better at finding good shots mm-hmm. than the Marquette Golden Eagles. Their yeah. ability to recognize good shots, their ability to, you know, move the ball. It's all led by Tyler Kolak, who, you know, recognizes defenses and is able to manipulate them. And then 
finds the um um the open man there. Yeah. Also, a good aura might have one of the more um, unstoppable shots in basketball. That's kind of like, like I'm listening to what you're saying. Doesn't feel that way. I, you said Tyler Cole can manipulate defenses. I didn't know you were waiting for me to come in with that. I was coming in with my next thing. Um, Tyler Kolick is fantastic. Tyler Kolick, to me, is right there with the Bob Cousy Award for best point guard in the conference, best point guard in the country. I think you have to watch him to really understand how good he is and how important he is. And he can score if he wanted to. He could score 20 points a game, but they might not win every game. He plays the the game the way is necessary for Marquette to win. And with an intensity that I think makes him the unquestioned leader of this team. Um, you know, he is really going at, you know, when he, they got called for that flagrant foul Butler at the end of the um, half, he was really intense about it. Um, kind of like a you don't push us around type of attitude. Well, the guy slapped him. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen. I'm not. I'm not trying to defend either way, and I'm not even sure it was a flagrant foul. But Kolek comes in with that intensity of like no one's going to push us around. That chip on his shoulder that I think really goes out to the rest of the team, like the shirt. Yes, like you don't like us, f you. Like we don't. We don't need you. Um, another team where I could see twenty points from six people on their team. Yeah. All right, and then I'd like to go to my my point on their defense. Yes. And this is something I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention. Oh wow. I'm locked in. This is something I don't feel like is getting enough recognition. Also, Igadaro's defense and his ability to switch. What one, are the metrics saying? What are the metrics? He's saying? one of the top eight defenders in the conference, but nobody's talking about it. His ability to switch one through five, his ability to switch on to point guards. They run a really interesting defense where they're not a straight switching defense, but they will switch if it's beneficial in that moment. Mm-hmm. And also Igadaro is able to pick up Whoever it is that he needs to, they take him out onto the perimeter. He can move his feet. He's long. He's one of the best defenders in the conference, and that's how you end up with Marquette as one of the top four defenses in the conference. Do you worry – do you still have the same worry that we did at the beginning of the year about um, them being too small rebounding? Because I have – like, they played the best rebounder in the country, the best player in the country, and they lost by, like, what, four or five to Purdue? Yeah, they've done okay. It's all about gang rebounding. They lost by five to Purdue and Saki. I mean, I don't know. They're they're really connected on all levels. I mean, that's what Kolek told us when he came on the podcast. He said it's just about game rebounding. The guards have to step down. Nobody can leak out. It's five guys, you know, getting that defensive rebound. So they've done a great job of it. Do I think they're an excellent rebounding team? No, but they've done a really good job mitigating that weakness. Third worst. Nice job. I don't even know what the word mitigating means. Um, third best Big East defense, I will go with UConn. That belongs to your UConn Huskies. UConn played two games this week, and boy, oh boy, I, I know what you're going to say, but UConn won two games this week, and they needed that. Um, they beat it DePaul. They beat it. That's it again, not a word. They beat DePaul by 14 at DePaul, and they beat Georgetown by six at Georgetown. Positives, negatives, I, I mean, uh, you beat the ball in Georgetown. Neither of them were stress-free wins, which they would have liked. No, I agree. Uh, I thought the DePaul one was pretty – they were they beat them by 15 points. Yeah, but Javon Johnson had them out to an early lead there. Yeah, but I, I never – that game after the 10-minute mark wasn't in – or, you know, in the last second half, it wasn't a doubt. Um, they brought it within six once, I think. Yeah, in the first 10 minutes, it was 22-20, and then after that um, – you kind of got the better of them. Yeah, but the Georgetown game, I don't know. I listen again. You know, it could be whatever, but I thought it was a little, a lot of fluky stuff going on. 
Um, and UConn, UConn was scoring the ball all right, but it never felt like UConn was scoring the ball a lot. Um, they went out to a big lead, and, you know, they brought it, and then, then Georgetown tied it at the half, but UConn wins the second half by six. But if you asked me what happened in that game, I'd say Georgetown played a better second half, but UConn won the second half and not the first half. I don't know. That game was that game was kind of a mind death for me the entire time. Yeah, I couldn't figure out what was going on. Neither team was really doing what they wanted to do. Georgetown hits a lot of tough shots. They have yeah. a lot of offensive talent. UConn's defense wasn't as bad as that's as good as I've seen UConn's defense um, in a long time. In a while, yeah. I, and and uh, starting with Andre Jackson, who we both credited for playing really under control in that game. Very kind of heady game from him. Um, Definitely less errors. Um, can we talk about Tristan Newton? Is is Tristan Newton? If they did a most improved from beginning of the year to the mid, end of the year, would he be on the short list? I think that's a legitimate suggestion. Um, Tristan Newton has been huge for UConn. Uh, they probably don't win that Georgetown game without him. Yeah. Um, he's been fantastic. He's been fantastic for a few games now. I mean, Tristan Newton, over his last five games or so, I mean, he's gotten 11, 11, 23, um, 21, and 15. And I watched a lot of tape of him at East Carolina last year, and this is the guy he was at East Carolina. He tried to he tries to draw fouls. He was a, a lot of fouls. He was a bucket getter from anywhere on the court. He could get you a bucket, uh, and he seemed to kind of take a step back from that for most of this year. You know, I understand he wanted to facilitate and he wanted to be team first, but it's really nice to see what he's doing. I agree, I've, and I just want to continue to credit um, Andre Jackson, who's kind of had a maligned season. Um, Finally, some stuff showed up in the stat column where he was on triple-double watching that game. And can we talk about Jordan Hawkins? Uh, Jordan Hawkins played bad against Georgetown, but, I mean, against DePaul, he is a abs- – George- Jordan Hawkins has been the best player for UConn for about a month and a half, and Adama Sanogo is really flipping good against DePaul. Jordan Hawkins will be in the NBA next year if he wants yes. to be. I agree. Uh, Ryan, I believe Creighton would be second um, best Big East defense, but we're saving them. That is correct. So we're going to jump to Seton Hall, who has recorded the best defense in the Big East this season, according to Ken Palm. Uh, Right? They played two games this week and won two games this week. They beat St. John's and they beat DePaul. Um, the bubble hasn't burst. Let's go. Like, that's that's the story right now. Like, I don't give a shit that you beat DePaul by five points. Your bubble st- – if you lost to DePaul, your bubble burst. I mean, Shaheen Holloway, the job he's done – from where they started to where they are now, the fact that they're winning these close games and they're on the bubble, I'm I'm so impressed by Shaheen Holloway. Like, and even if I think Shaheen Holloway from beginning of the year would be impressed by Shaheen Holloway by the end of the year, we would listen to the sound clips at the beginning of the year. I wasn't sure he liked his team. He was kind of like, "These are the players I got." Like, sorry, like I I don't know what else to tell you. He said in, in the press conference the other day, they're finally starting to pick up on some of the. Um, values we have at this program and i mean it probably helps to have like a casey nadefo who played with him at st peter's kind of and be one of the older players on the team um Kadari richmond continues to bully people into fouling him repeatedly which is a really flipping good strategy yeah uh casey and defo it's really hard to overstate his importance to this team he does everything for them on both offense and defense. heart and soul yeah uh, that Shaheen Holloway, KC and Defo connection. Yeah. I mean, that's what created the greatest Cinderella story in the NCAA tournament. Last year. Yeah. Ever? Ever? You don't uh, think no, so? Probably not ever. Ever? No, I can't. I I don't know enough. UMC Barba, whatever, beat um Virginia that one year. 
Yeah, but then they lost the next game. George Mason went to the Final Four. Anyhow, let's talk Seton Hall. Um, I want to give a big shout-out to – it's not loading now. Um, This isn't this week. Sorry. Um, the At the St. John's game, I was really impressed with Alamir Dawes at certain points. Um, again, he's kind of someone who's come a long way this year. Um, but he there was a stretch there where he was clearly the best player on the court, and yeah. they were running their offense through him. One thing I'd like to talk about, and this ties into yours, is uh, the depth that this team has. Now, do they have the best bench players? Maybe not, but they have interchangeable parts. Yes. And I know that's Holloway's entire philosophy. And, and you know, you saw that early in the game against DePaul when Trey Jackson comes in and he has a bunch of really good minutes for them there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that Shaheen Holloway is able to just plug and play, you know, people, if they're having a good day, you play. Yeah, they're going nine deep right now. And when Dre Davis is healthy, they go nine deep. And it also allows you to play uh, – Defense at a much higher intensity. Yeah, I mean, you held St. John's, who is running like crazy, to 72 points. Um, and then you held um, DePaul, who's, you know, DePaul has some offensive players, and you held them into the 60s. So. The Seton Hall make the tournament? Yes. You know what? I'm going to change it. They're going to they're gonna play Villanova at Villanova. I think that's a make or break of their season. Because um, you beat Villanova at Villanova. You beat um, – if you can beat Villanova, you have to sweep Villanova, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that's how it shakes out too. But you know what? Roll Pirates. Um, I got him in. Yeah, absolutely. All right, right. So stay tuned for our guest for um, Creighton in just a moment here because we're going to get him on. Introducing the first Big East Barroom sponsor, DMOR Designs. Um, this is a company that we are lucky to partner with who comes with custom apparel tees jerseys hoodies um one of the best people that we know too um this company what i was thinking when we you know they asked to partner with us is they are literally a college kid's dreams because they're going to do custom shirts for you they're going to have your rec sport team or your intramural sport team looking great and they're going to do it at an affordable rate and a company that you can trust so that's kind of where I was thinking, you know, when we were originally partnered with them. Yeah, if you play rec sports and you want, like, a fun shirt for all of your boys to wear to the rec sports, you yeah. know, if, like, you want, like, a Golden Eagle shirt with a big Golden Eagle if you're a Marquette fan or wherever you want, you know, hit up the more Designs. That's what they do. They're some of the best in the business. Like, hats, jerseys, sweatshirts, water bottles. Like, you can get anything you want from them. And where can you find them? Good question. Thank you for asking, listener. DMOR Designs on Instagram. DMOR Designs website is in our show notes. DMOR Designs, I just posted about it on Twitter. Go find them. Go look them up because honestly, at the end of the day, we wouldn't be endorsing a product we don't like. Half of my shirts are from DMOR Designs at some time or the other. And honestly, like they're also comfortable enough to wear. So go buy your DMOR Design stuff and go get your team ready to go. All right. All right, we are lucky enough to be joined by one of the better Creighton accounts on Twitter, Cray Takes, representing today. Sir, how are you today? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Thank you guys for having me. It's really cool to be a part of this. Awesome. Yeah, we're, totally, we're happy to have you. We're doing great. Um, you guys got two wins this week. You beat Georgetown. Kind of an ugly game, 63-53, but yeah. – program going in the right direction there with that Georgetown win? I mean, is it just surviving advance there or you see anything interesting? With yeah. That? Yeah. I think so. Both games this week were a little kind of a, it was honestly pretty similar games, weirdly enough. So 
you know, when we go on the road here in Omaha, I mean, obviously we, we all, we all pride ourselves on, on the home games. And like, as you guys saw the pink covers, Xavier, we, you know, I think the Big East has really embraced kind of what Omaha has, has come as a challenge as, as coming in here and beating us. But what we, what we've been missing a little bit is just the toughness to grit out a tough bottom of the barrel, Big East road game. And so I think that Georgetown was a, was a great litmus test for us just to say, okay, obviously I think we're more talented than Georgetown. I think everybody would agree with that. But I think that on, on, you know, at the end of the day, we don't, we don't know. I mean, if we, if we shoot 30%, who freaking knows? I mean, Christ, the Big East is tough. And that includes Georgetown, by the way, and DePaul. So I don't think anybody goes into those those road games thinking, God, we can just kind of half-ass it. We'll play our second team. Who cares? Nobody thinks that, obviously. If you are, you're in moron. So, so I do think that we appreciate that victory. You know, when I say we, I'm, I'm talking about the fan base of Creighton, I guess. That sounds kind of weird to say. But I do think that we appreciate the victory against Georgetown because, again, we're, we're one of those fan bases like, dude, we were in the Missouri Valley like 14 years, 15, 16, 17 years ago, where going to Georgetown and beating them would be probably the best one of our year. You know what I mean? So I guess that was a long answer to a short question. But anyway, that's kind of where well, we're It's at great here. stuff. And, and you touch on some great stuff about, um, you know, there's no easy road games in the Big East and you can't look past anything. You can't take anything for granted. Um, so I think that's fantastic. Uh, you know, Ryan Clockbrenner goes for 16 points in this one. Pretty balanced. You have all five starters in double digits, and you hold George yeah. up 53 points. So it's a really nice one. Yep. And how, sorry, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was just going to say, how good is it to have a healthy Ryan Clockbrenner after missing those six games? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You, and you know what? It, it, there's a fine line, and I, I think Mac just listened to him talk. He goes, I'm so sick of talking about Clockbrenner having the motto. But, like, dude, what people don't realize, and, again, this is – I hate sounding like this because I'm such a basketball guy, but, like, he wasn't health, He wasn't healthy during the three or four games prior to him having mono. And, again, I know that sounds like a BS excuse, but, like, it's totally different with him healthy because our filtering into him defensively where we're saying, okay, we're going to overguard. We're not going to let dudes get shots up. We're going to filter him into to Kulk, obviously. And he swats with shots. Well, if he can't, if he's four inches shorter on his vertical, I mean, not to be over, you know, whatever, scientific, but that's a huge difference, dude. Like, it really is. So we played two freshman Bahamas, Frederick King, who was probably the best spot in that entire losing streak. But anyway, long story short, I do think that now with, with Cole and actually Frederick doing what he should be doing, which is filling in five six seven minutes a game is perfect for us and so we'll see what happens but yeah it, it, it we look totally different defensively especially so you sure do and then you get a really nice win uh later in a week against villanova villanova's fully healthy and they're giving everybody a hard time um yeah and trey alexander goes thermonuclear in that game 27 points yeah <laughs> I mean, this is i mean he's done it already once this season against DePaul, but it's yeah. pretty incredible what he's able to do when he's hot. Yeah, and he so he was the Oklahoma Player of the Year out of high school. He he was one of God, I want to say between him and Kalk and and Arthur Kuma and uh, Ryan Emhard. You know, for us again, I'm speaking for Creighton fans. 
we're, we're a mid-major evolving to a major program. And I think we're there. I think we're pretty close to being there. And, uh, you know, God, to have four, four, four stars on the, on the floor at one time, it's just, for us, it's like, golly, dude, like, we used to have a four star, two, two stars, and a couple, three and that it is what it is you know not just that gosh it's so cool to see us just like man we're not outbanned by anybody you know what i mean like we're we're not we're not like we show up we watch more of us and we're like god we're screwed you know what i mean so it's it's cool to see that um it must be yeah. fun that on any given night like any of those five can go up for 20 25 points and you wouldn't be surprised at all agreed and and the problem is the six seven eight nine ten probably not but that's as everybody knows that's kind of our achilles heel right now is trying to figure out okay who can come in and score eight nine ten you know what i mean that's our big that's our biggest issue right now Cray takes what's your what's the ceiling for creighton this year we final four team still or we readjust after the six game losing streak oh my gosh you guys would put me on the spot on that <laughs> um, no it's all good i i would say god with this okay so with this with this season and this season only, I think ceiling we can win the net. That's what I like to hear. We love it. No, seriously. And, and again, I'm not I'm not predicting that. But with this season, there's not one team, and I think I think there are three other teams in the in the in the Big East. There's not on any given night, like, if we play really well, there's no chance. No good teams, by the way. I'm just saying on a given night, if we play really well with all five starters clicking, I would say us and three other Big East teams, there's no team that's like, we have no chance. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. That's my final yeah. We got one, <laughs> We got time for one more question I, I want to ask you. Okay. before. You think national titles is ceiling. Who's the most important player for you guys to pull it off? Paul Krenner's health is number one by far. That's a boring answer. Um, number two, what's for me, well, shoot, I should say for, for Muscrate and Tans, Arthur Kaluma realizing that he can impact games in, in four more ways than just scoring would be my number one answer. Awesome. That's a great answer. Love it. All right, Craig Takes, we appreciate you coming out and doing this for us. Um, so happy to have you on the Big East Barroom and have you part of the Big East Barroom family. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Have me on anytime. Yeah. All right, Ryan, you know what that means? It is mail time for the best conference in college basketball, the Big East. Ryan, we had a few mailbag questions come in, and the first one is from one of my favorite UConn accounts, three free – free throw shots for Hawkins. Um, when UConn goes 2-0 this week, can I rebook my flights to Houston? First, great name. Um, if you don't follow UConn closely, Jordan Hawkins has to lead the country in drawing uh, fouls on his three-point three attempts. Um, as far as going to Houston in general, I encourage people to visit the great city of Houston with great food and great entertainment, uh, but I do not believe the UConn Huskies will be playing there. Um, be hard to get two wins this week, but even if they do, the, we've seen too many flaws for them. If UConn beats Marquette and Creighton this week, I think UConn goes back to having the highest ceiling in the Big East because I, we've seen the ceiling. The ceiling is the number two team in the country. If UConn loses two games this week, we're talking about them in more of a 
what they were last year. They have have limited ceiling. If they go to one this week, we say stock steady. We still don't know anything. Keep it moving. All right. Yuli says, what bottom five team can play spoiler in the Big East tournament? Very easy. Villanova. Villanova Wildcats. Villanova. Do you have another one? Georgetown on a good shooting night could beat somebody. Uh, DePaul's already proven they can beat Xavier and Villanova. Um, I think DePaul with Emoja Gibson has that star point guard with the ball in his hand. You meant now Deshaun Nelson? Emoja Gibson. Big East barroom favorite, Deshaun Nelson. If Xavier or Marquette wins out, what's the highest either of those teams can be ranked? I think ranked is such a hard question. Sorry, I don't mean to jump up in front of you, right? But um, because ranked, like, it's relying on other people losing. What's the highest seed they can get if Xavier and Marquette win out? I mean, win out is a lot of games. That, I mean, don't they play each other one more game? Yeah. So they can't both win out. I think they probably could both get a two seed. I, I would imagine a two seed is probably still in play for either one. I don't know if they can get up to a one seed, but there's a lot of games to play, like you said, so that's a lot of wins. Marquette's eighth in the net right now, and I know people don't want to hear it because it's an analytical thing that they don't understand. I don't understand it either. I'm not saying I understand it, but I'm saying when people don't understand analytics, that's why the, the listeners are catching strays right now. <laughs> Sorry. I don't understand the net either, but the committee has shown that they care a lot about the net. Marquette's eighth in the net right now. I would say they're probably a three or a four seed. Yes, I think two is very much in play. I guess if enough teams lost, we could be talking about a one. Um, but that's a lot. Um, Ronaldo Lopez's revenge tour, which is fun because Ronaldo Lopez has been on my fantasy baseball team on and off. As in your opinion, has Tyler Kolek done enough to where if the season ended today, he would wind up as the Koozie Award winner for the best point guard in the country, Ryan, not just the Big East. I don't follow basketball outside of the Big East. So I'm a pass. Um, I don't. I think. It, I mean, I. It's Tiger Campbell's in there. Suley Wilson or Suley Boom. Suley Wilson. Suley Boom. Jalen Pickett. So those are names. Oh, you Jalen know, Pickett right? is an All American. Jalen Pickett's probably first team All American right now. So. And we saw Jalen Pickett at the Palestra. Ryan, we don't have to. You know, we don't have to do all that clout chasing. Okay. Um, our next one is. Um, if the Big East were to expand to 12 to 14 teams, who would you like to see join? We've had this question before. Syracuse. Syracuse. Syracuse has to be the number one team, and you just They're love... not because nobody likes Syracuse because Jim Behan killed the guy. It doesn't matter. Syracuse's history is so much integral to the history of the Big East. Um, whether Jim Beheim is coaching or not, you would just love to see them come home. Um, and then if we're talking about one more... Uh, Gonzaga... I mean, we're talking about – I want Rutgers to come back because I have some good friends who are, who are big Rutgers fans, so that would be fun. I like the Rutgers pick. Um, I'm anti-Gonzaga uh, because keep the big east, east. Yeah, because normally when you go to Indiana, you're like, damn, I love the east coast <laughs> this time of year. And then in, you go to Nebraska and we, you're like, we, oh, we're east coast, brother. We make an exception for the Creighton Blue Jays. Um, we, could, we would make an exception if Gonzaga wanted to come. It's an all-basketball school. It makes sense to come. If we had the opportunity. I like Rutgers. I like, uh, I mean, BC's been bad for a while. BC has been. Uh, Kyle says, what are, yeah, Kyle says, what would make any of the top five respectively, realistically have to not make March Madness? <sighs> UConn is now Creighton. Creighton has eight losses. I mean, yeah. that if Creighton gets towards 500 again, they're the biggest one in danger of doing it. UConn yeah. can't get near 500. There's stats about how often teams make it with like 11 losses, 10 losses. It's not a lot. 
Uh, and Creighton's ranked right now in the top 25, though. That's the problem. You got to remember that the committee isn't watching Creighton basketball as closely as we are. Yeah. And I include the fans there. Big East fans are watching Creighton much more closely than the committee will be. So we are much more aware of how much better they are with Kalkbrenner, healthy, and all that kind of stuff. And that's what my question has been that Creighton takes just also looked at. Will the Big East committee care that Ryan Kalkbrenner wasn't Ryan Kalkbrenner? NCAA tournament committee. I'm sorry. <laughs> Always. Ryan, will they care that Ryan Cockbrenner was unhealthy for those three games that they lost? Or will they say, oh, Ryan Cockbrenner played. It's the binary system. Let's keep it moving. They'll care to some degree. It's a question about how much they'll care. Creighton is clearly in right now. Let's make that clear, yeah. too. Creighton is an automatic bid, like I've seen, seven seed. They're not an automatic bid. They're an at-large bid. At-large bid. I've seen, sorry, they're an automatic... I've seen about eight. Yeah. Okay. Um, Bradley Amell says, if the Big East were to expand... Oh, we just did that. Sorry, I had one last question. And this is also from three free throw shots for Hawkins. Play NBA JM and give your top five draft order for Big East players. I did like this question, though. Yeah, so this isn't what team we're building. This is if we were to go to the... This is the way I want to take this question. Tell me if you agree. Me and you get hired to be in an NBA front office, and you can only pick a Big East player. Yes. Five. Yep. Whose game's going to translate the best? We're, Can I get first pick? We know who you're taking. Cam Whitmore. Yeah, you're going to take Cam Whitmore first overall. Um, everybody's saying the exact same thing. Like, Cam Whitmore is going pro and is going to be a lottery pick. Um, I'll take then the other guy who has a chance to be a lottery pick in the Big East right now, and I'll take Jordan Hawkins. Jordan Hawkins is a good pick. Um, I think I probably still go Arthur Kaluma at this point. Um they talked about him as a potential first-round pick before the year started. I think that might have cooled off just a bit, but he's got the talent. And if I'm only taking Big East players. Yeah, I'm going to take Cam Jones. Uh, guy has just reinvented his game of being able to finish around the rim. Um, and his ability to shoot threes would translate well. He's a bigger guard, too. Um, he wouldn't be undersized. Oh, and we forgot Bryce Hopkins. Oh, Bryce Hopkins. Absolutely. I should have taken Bryce Hopkins before. Uh, so I'll take Bryce Hopkins now, who absolutely is an NBA player. Yeah, no matter what people say, he is an NBA player. You want to give an honorable mention or two? Donovan Klingon will get drafted at some point as a lob threat and uh, rim protector, just like Walker Kessler did last year. I hope Ryan Cockbrenner also might fall into that stratosphere with a Walker Kessler of being a that kind of guy. Um, it's a good pick. I haven't seen a lot of things where Cockbrenner's projected to go right now, but I'm hopeful. And, I again, friend of the pod, but... Colby Jones is a three and D guy. Yeah, like put it like that. That's the kind of stuff that plays in the NBA. Yeah, Colby so. Jones is Tyrese. Colby Jones and Tyrese Martin have a lot in common, and Tyrese was the only guy that got drafted last year. All right, well that does it for week thirteen of the Big East Bar Room. We are so lucky to have you guys join us. Um, we have you know a lot of great interactions with you guys online every day, and the fact that you guys are you know joining in and uh, you know loving our stuff and liking our you know doing whatever we're doing with us makes it all worth it. Yeah, we appreciate you guys so much, um, all of our listeners, everybody who has, you know, positive interactions with us. That's what positive, it's all about. We, ju- we just love basketball, and we want to spread that love of basketball. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Thank you for pulling up a stool.